them, aren't we? All righty. Well, take your Bibles, turn to the book of John, book of John, chapter 15, verses 12 through 17. John chapter 15, verses 12 through 17. Daryl, how many times have I preached from this passage? No. Wow. John 15. I can't believe that, Daryl. He must have been out that week. <laughs> John chapter 15, beginning with, I tell you, I don't know where I'm at today. Uh, verse 12. Let's look at it on the screen. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. You are, you are my friends. And if you do what I command you, I do not call you slaves anymore because a slave doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you that you should go out and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you, love one another. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture, or I hope it is a very familiar passage of Scripture. And, you know, a lot of times as a church, we we look at this passage and we understand the importance of loving one another. But, you know, in churches today, uh, if we're not careful, churches have a tendency, if we're not careful, to be a congregation of spectators. And this morning, as we read this passage of Scripture, I want it to remind us of the importance of being a family of friends. A family of friends. You know, in our churches, sometimes, as I said a moment ago, a congregation of spectators, you know, you come and you look, and, you know, it it is amazing to me. I have to laugh sometimes, but then sometimes it makes me cry, (laughs) you know. But, you know, I've had people even say, you know, the, the, the ushers came up, but you didn't get in line with them. You were, you, were out of, you, you were out a little bit. I was going, who looks at that? You know, or, you know, there's something out of place in the, behind me, you know, or, or the, the pew is not right. Or, you know, sometimes we become spectators to say, now what's different? I know there's something different. You know, and we're looking, we're spectating, we're looking, you know, we're trying to find out what, what might be different. But what should we be focusing on? Greater love has no man than this, that a man laying down his life for his friends. You know, in our small community, we know it's unique. We know that it is precious. But at the same time, there is a, there is a need For us to develop a family of friends and within our church. I hope that you have friends here at First Baptist Church. But at the same token, I hope that we would strive to bring in more people who can become friends. You know, sometimes we want to say that we are a family church. And I hope and pray that we are. 
But we need to see the importance that there are people today that, that many times they feel alone. They feel like they're not a part. And we need to let them know that, hey, we would love to have them at First Baptist. And we would love for them to be part of a family. Now, families... I know your family gets along perfectly, never has any problems, never has any hiccups. <laughs> families are families, aren't they? But, you know, we need to strive and show love to one another. Last Sunday, we used the emphasis of Family Fun Day, striving the importance for the family to come together, to play together, to eat together, and to do those things. But I want us to see this morning... The need to be a friend to those who need Jesus. There's a lot of people in our community who need Jesus Christ. And the only way that maybe they'll come to knowing Jesus Christ is that maybe we need to become a friend of theirs. We need to go and share with them. We need to be part of that family of friends. And so as we look at this passage of Scripture this morning, it is our responsibility, it is our duty. And here's the biggie. I believe it's our privilege to obey the Lord Jesus Christ when he says for us to love one another. Now I know, growing up, you've grown up here, many of you have grown up in LaBelle. You know people. There are people, preacher, you just don't know that one. You don't understand, preacher, that one is Fruit Loops. You know, that one is just... But the importance of seeing, of reaching out to people who have needs. One of the greatest privileges to call, would you, would, wouldn't you agree that one of the greatest privileges is to call Jesus Christ our friend? Amen? I hope Jesus Christ is your friend. And I want us to see that as a family of friends, the importance of bringing more people in. Now, to bring people in, that means we've got to talk to them. We've got to engage them. We've got to talk to them, see where they are, where they're at. And so this morning, as we think of this, I want us to think of some of the characteristics of friendship. Now, some of you, hopefully most of you, when you got your bulletin, there was a sermon outline in that. Dig through that, find that. Maybe the chewing gum's already inside of it, I don't know. But uh, find that outline. And you'll see some of the characteristics of friendships. What is a true friendship? And so I want us to look at three things talking about true friendship. The first one is we think about the characteristics of friendship is that a friend sharpens. Now, you might want to write down on that outline this simple little verse, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. Proverbs 27, verse 17. Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpeth the countenance of his friend. What does that mean? A true friend is one who works with his friend to sharpen each other's skills. Or as the last part, or a man sharpens... The countenance of his friend. Some of you remember when you were younger, some of you, you know, when you saw one child, you saw this other one. He didn't belong to you. They was down the street. But it's like two, two peas in a pod. You know, it was like they're always together. 
True friends are friends who sharpen, who help, who, who, who help each other come to that point in their lives where they need to be. Now, this morning I made reference to, and I, I, I want you to turn, uh, I'm not going to read it all, uh, but I want you to turn over to 2 Samuel chapter 13. You know, sometimes we don't want to make reference to, to certain things that happen in the Bible, but, but you know, at the same token, we need, we need to realize that there. In 2 Samuel, which I can't find right this second, in 2 Samuel chapter 13, I believe it is, we find the story about a man named Amon, or, or Amon, some say Amon, some say Amon, and Amon well, he had a brother, and his brother, well, their dad was King David. And Amon had a crush on a young lady who happened to be his sister named Tamar. Now, this is a story that is found in 2 Samuel chapter 13. And in this story, I, I mentioned this because Ammon or, or Amon, or whatever how you want to pronounce his name, he, he had a friend. And he went to his friend and he told him his desires for his sister. And his friend said, well, this is what you can do. And he gave him a plan to entice his sister. When I read that and studied that, you think, well, he went to a friend and his friend told him how he could go about enticing his sister. If we have friends like that, do we need friends like that? We need to stop and, and, and think about anybody who calls themselves a friend of yours and they encourage you to do impure thoughts or impurity or encourage you to sin or encourage you to drink or encourage you to stay away from the house of God. Let me tell you, you don't need friends like that. Now, I know in our society today, she said, but, 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 but those are the people that accept me. Let me tell you, they might accept you, but they're not the ones that are going to bring you to where you need to be. They're not sharpening you. They're dulling you. They even possibly could be leading you on a trail that brings you straight to hell. In this story, this one that had sex with his sister... He ended up being killed. You see, we need to be careful of our friends. If our friends are encouraging us to drink because everybody else is drinking, if our friends are encouraging us to have sex when it's not permissible, when it's not right, and they're encouraging to do that, then maybe we need new friends. You say, well, but I'll be out. You may, might be out of that group, but hopefully you'll be back being a friend with Jesus Christ. You see, we need to, to realize that anybody who makes it easier for you to do wrong is not a friend. I know that that's contrary to the world today, but if someone is, if someone is making it easier for you to do wrong, then that's not a friend. Go back to the passage we read just a moment ago. Iron should sharpen iron. We also need to realize that a friend sticks. In other words, what I mean by that, think of another 
verse in Proverbs, write down in, in, in Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loveth at, at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. And then Proverbs 18, 24 says, there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, or in the holman who stays closer than a brother. You know, we need friends that are going to stick with us, don't we? Now, again, I've mentioned that two peas in a pod where sometimes people are together, and that can be good and bad. But, but, you know, we need true friends that will stick with us. We don't need acquaintances. Or put it this way, our life is like a ship sailing. They get on board and they ride for a while, and then they get off. They're acquaintances. We have other people. They may seem like friends, but they're fair-weather friends. They get on board as long as the sailing is smooth, the ride along with us. But when it gets a little rough, they jump aboard, they jump overboard and leave you there. Friends, sometimes who walks in when the world walks out. What does Christ tell us? Christ says, I will never leave you or what? Forsake you. I want us to see that we need friends who are going to stick with us. I want you to see that the greatest friend that we can have is Jesus Christ. Even though many will tell you, you don't want to to associate with that Christ crowd. You don't want to associate too much. That will ruin you. No, it will not. Christ says, I will never leave you alone. Now, here's the third characteristic of a friend. And you're going to say, preacher, you must have misspelled this one. A friend stabs. I know you think I'm crazy. Probably am. But Proverbs 27, 6. In Proverbs 27, 6, in the King James says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Jesus loves us enough to convict us when we do wrong. Amen? Praise God that he does. But a true friend is one who might have to just grab us by the shoulder and pull us back and say, look, you're going to kill yourself if you do this. Who will stab us, who will grab us, who will pull us back because what we're getting ready to do is wrong. Those are the type of friends you need. You know, the... The alcohol people have got a phrase before us that we've pretty well accepted. And, and, and I, I know I'm, I'm splitting hairs, but, but, but just be with me. There's a phrase that we hear, friends don't let friends drink, and, drink drunk or drink and drive or something to that effect. All right. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. There we go. Something. But what about instead of that? Friends don't let friends get drunk. Now, you say, well, preacher, that's just not going to happen. Well, maybe we need more friends that will stop us doing things that can ruin our life. You say, well, preacher, one beer. I understand. One beer here. One beer there. You know, 
Labelle's a small town, right? Hear a lot of things. I remember telling Aaron and Erica when they were young, I said, look, if you do something, you do something stupid, you do something, you might as well tell me because I will hear about it. And they said, you know, they gave that look like, well, how? I said, well, there was one case, one case, one time, Aaron was with a friend. They were in the back of a pickup truck. And a can flew out of that truck and hit, hit a dumpster. I'm not a dump truck, not a dumpster, a dump truck. Well, the guy that drove the dump truck swore that Aaron threw it at him. Well, as soon as it happened, they got to place, Aaron called me. I laughed when he called me. He said, what's funny? I said, the man that I just got off the phone with was telling me what you're telling me. That you threw a can. Well, Dad, I didn't throw a can. He said, I can't believe you already knew. Well, I say that. You know, when, when our kids go to prom and they meet at the hotels and there's beer in the refrigerator, don't you think we're going to hear about that in LaBelle? It's already been told. But a beer here, because it was prom. It's college graduation. It's a wedding. We excuse it. We excuse it here. We excuse it here. But don't do it there. What kind of message are we sending? What kind of message are we sending? We need friends that are going to guide us. We need friends that will help us. We need friends that will stand in our face and, and tell us, look, you're getting ready to make a mistake. But you see, a lot of times, there are all types of friends. There are those friends well, do you know the difference between flattery and hypocrisy? The difference between flattery and a hypocrite, a flatterer will say to your face what he doesn't say behind your back. A flatterer, but in other words, he'll say it to your face. Well, what does a hypocrite do? He won't say it to your face, but he'll say it to your back. Do you have those kind of friends? Faithful, the Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful, Proverbs 27, 6. The kisses of the enemy. Oh, that's all right. You, you know, you're, you're young. you got your whole life before you. It is amazing to me how young people today still in their teens will do something that will ruin the rest of of their lives. We've got teenagers in jail today with 30-year sentences, 40-year sentences. You say, well, that just happens to a few. It could happen to you. You say, oh, well, that couldn't. You see, that's why we need to be careful. That's why we need to see that God has given us rules and we need to choose the right friends. We need to cultivate people for Christ. We need to cultivate and see that we need to bring people in and, and, and bring them in to, to, as a friend to show them what God can do. Now I say all that to give you very quickly some secrets for cultivating a friendship. I want you to know a couple things real quick. Number one. There are people out there who want to be accepted. They want to be accepted. They're looking for someone to accept them. And you know who usually will accept them before Christians will? Those that we don't need them to be with. 
those people will accept them. Say, hey, come on with us. You can do whatever you want because that's what we're doing. We need to go out and accept people. You say, well, preacher, we, can't, we, can't, we, we just can't accept all those people. I remember early on in my ministry here, there was a couple who came into church one Sunday. And they immediately wanted to be involved and do things in our church. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, church wasn't even over. And they said, preacher, do you know about them? They, we, we can't have them in our church. They're not even married, preacher. We can't have them in our church. And I said, well, are we going to tell them to go out of those doors? Don't come back until you get your life fixed. Or are we going to help them while they're here? Now, guys, sometimes we get this superiority thing and, and they, well, you know, these people are, whew. We've all walked through those valleys, haven't we? They're not pretty. We need to see that, that there are people who want to be accepted. Yeah, they come with all what I call the baggage. But we all have baggage. We need to be willing because what about when Jesus met with the woman at the well? Jesus began to tell her her story. She had baggage, didn't she? She didn't have one husband. She didn't have two. She had a bunch of them. She had five. We're going to have people walk in that door, and they might have five husbands. They say, whoa, we can't have that. But at the same time, what is that person looking for? They're looking for someone to accept them. Jesus Christ wants to accept them. We also need people who, there are also, there's people who want to be acknowledged. The road to their heart is, is often right through their ear. In other words, we need to acknowledge them for who they are. Make them feel like we care. We should care. We should listen. Yes, it might be things that we come back and say, man, I, I never thought a person would have had to go through what that person went through. But we need to listen and we need to try to understand and to, and to help them. Communication is very important. I could give you statistics on communication, but you know about that. We need to see that people need to be Brought together and acknowledged. People also want to be appreciated. The deepest principle in human nature is the craving to be appreciated. Mark Twain once said he could live three weeks on a compliment. Now you think about it. You ever have one of those days, one of those weekends, one of those weeks, and someone comes along that you wasn't expecting and they gave you a compliment and how it changed your day, maybe it changed your week, it might have changed your outlook. Just one compliment. You see, people need to be appreciated. People also need to be, and you say, well, preacher, it's probably the same thing, but people also need to be affirmed. They, not, they need to be affirmed. They need, you know, we live in a negative world, don't we? And most of the people who cannot affirm other people are people themselves who have poor self-esteem. And they need somebody to affirm them. We've got people committing suicide. We've got professional athletes. I was listening to a show on television. professional athlete has all these trophies. In this past November, he, he said, I... 
I almost, he said, it was my third attempt to kill myself. You know, there, there are some that just need to be affirmed. And then some people just want to be assured. They, 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 they want understanding. They want empathy. They, you know, Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. We need to, to see that there are some people that just need to be assured. When we earnestly ask ourselves what person in our lives means the most to you, we often find it those who, instead of giving much advice, solution, or cures, have chosen rather to share our pain and our touch and our wounds with a gentle and tender hand. And then the last thing that I'll close with is the cost of friendship. There's two verses to think about. Romans 15, 13 that we read a moment ago. Greater love have no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And then Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. It costs to love, doesn't it? It costs to love. Many times we think, well, I can't afford that. Friends cost time. But all of us want friends. I know some of you are people that are planners. You know, you have your little calendar in your purse. And you got your weeks and your events planned out. And I understand that. I'm, I'm a planner myself. Uh, it, it's not in my purse, you know, my little planner in the purse. But, but you know, my phone over there uh, has my calendar, and I look at it quite often, and, and um, you know, it's there. But what about when a friend comes up to you and says, hey, can you come over tonight? I, I, I just need to talk. And you're thinking, well, I was going to do this, and I was going to do this, and I'm going to do that. See, it's going to cost you if you go help that friend. Because the things that you have planned, you're going to have to put off. Now, here's the last thing I'll share with you. The greatest friend you can have is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the friend of all friends. You say, well, there's no way that Jesus would be my friend. Well, why not? You ask him, he will be your friend. And so that's why I want to leave this morning. If Jesus is not real to you, I want you to know that, that Jesus is saying here that he wants to be your friend. You say, well, but, but, but I'm not perfect. Well, who is? And I've got things in my life I'm still working on. Don't you think the disciples of Jesus Christ had things they were still working on? Who was one of Jesus' friends? Remember, Judas was. And look what Judas did. The greatest friend you can have is Jesus Christ. And that's available. But also as a church, we don't need to be just spectators. We need to be involved bringing in others as friends. And hopefully bringing those friends to Jesus Christ. Because the command says for us to love one another. Let's pray. This gracious heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for what you have shared with us this morning. Lord, I pray that we would see the need to love, to take the time 
sometimes to start a conversation with someone, meeting them where they're at. It might not be what we wanted to hear at that moment or realize all the troubles, but Lord, we pray that we would see it's not about us at this moment, it's about them, to introduce them to the greatest friend that they could have, and that is you. Lord, I pray this morning that we would accept you as our great friend and that we would also be busy making friends with others to share Jesus Christ.